Hello, I'm Stuart Preston, and this is the Stoned Ape Reports, where I have conversations with those who have changed their lives with the help of psychedelics. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking with author Bette Williams. We discussed her new book, The Wild Kindness, A Psilocybin Journey. The conversation covered her journeys and some ideas of her that go a bit outside today's psychedelic community norms. The book is awesome, and her point of view is really refreshing. So let's welcome Bette. Bette, thank you so much for joining me here on the Stone Dave Reports. I'm really honored to have you, um, especially in light of this uh, amazing book you that is just coming out as we're, as we're talking, right? Uh, the official day was yesterday. Yesterday. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So maybe by the time this is published, I will be sitting down and reading my hard copy. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And when we get to... You know, uh, what I heard was um, you know, Amazon is nutty right now. It's taking like two months to ship books. And so I wanted to recommend for anyone buying books right now, there's a bookshop.com is a kind of a new place that people are buying books. Good. And that, is that the one listed on your website? Um, it should be. Yeah. Okay. All right. Betwilliams.com. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. You know, I've already dug into the book. It's uh, for anybody out there looking at it. If you're expecting a how to book on this, that's not exactly what it is, but so, so such a great story and so much great relevant information to all of us here in this plant medicine world. But I kind of wanted to talk to you about, you know, the psychedelics and, and what they mean to you and, obviously a big emphasis on mushrooms, you know, throughout this book. So given this whole his this whole amazing history that you've laid out in this book, what do mushrooms mean to you today in your life? If you were to well, tell somebody what they mean to you, what do they mean to you? I, it makes me think of, um, well, the beginning of my path, which I would say is about 10 years ago. I, I thought like, wow, you know, wouldn't it be cool if mushrooms become like an ally plant? If I get, like and I get to be an expert on them or something and Mm -hmm. 10 years in um, I I think of Kathleen Harrison the former um, wife of Terrence McKenna says about cannabis that it's her sister wife and and for the mushrooms I could couldn't they are not my sister wife like the more I do them the more humbled I am the more mysterious they become Um, I definitely do not have a swagger when it comes to like being any kind of pro with the mushrooms. I'm just like, wow, they are just a humbling, beautiful, mysterious thing. And they do have a a quality and an essence, like an old friend that I do experience when I, when I do journey with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I feel that I can tap into their wisdom in sober states. Most of the time their their incredible wit and humor and, mostly their ability to remind me not to take myself too seriously or take my mm-hmm. my own thought process too seriously so so the psychedelic experience in general i think people will often say about lsd like they only had to do it once because the experience never leaves you in a way like i when yeah. i look i'm looking at this cabinet in front of me and i can see what it would look like if i was tripping Wow. It's always there. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you tap into it when you write? Does it help with your, your creativity in your writing? Yeah, well, the reason I wrote this book was because I had been creatively blocked for about 15 years. I've written two previous books, um, literary books that were published, and I was stuck. And so I was like, well, I'll just 
maybe if I write a book about this thing I love, the mushrooms, because they're help. They were helping me heal. Um, I, I use in the early time wait, days. I use them to heal myself physically and emotionally. In I guess you would say a shamanic way. It was a very somatic process of going into my body and kind of removing blocks and things. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'll write a book about mushrooms and cool there there's no books about mushrooms written by a woman until michelle and i did it and um and so i use the mushrooms to help me write and and it worked apparently here's the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it sure did now you yeah. mentioned you mentioned shamanic and i think i think one of the i think even in the intro of your book you, you said you think a solo journey without a shaman or a therapist is, is kind of the way to go, the preferred method. Is that, is that true? Um, I, you know, more and more, I just realized there's so many different ways to go about it. For me, there's mm. an incredible power to give it up to a fungus. It's su such a weird thing to do, to just let this thing act upon a, oneself without a mediator and because the psychedelic experience is one where you're you're so vulnerable to everything mm. and you're vulnerable to ideas about what the mushrooms mean and what they can do and that can be both positive and negative like let's say you have a therapist or or a quote-unquote shaman right um, that's going to imprint your trip for sure and that can be really great i mean i've i I went to Mexico and decided, okay, let's stop being this sort of, you know, solo flyer here and, and see what it's like to do in a circle of women's. It was a mm -hmm. Lose It Turner retreats. And man, it was really great to see how women, these women were doing it, you know, with, and, and they were doing it the same way I did, you know, with a bunch of copal smoke and a bunch of singing. And yeah. And so that was great. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you also compared mushrooms to a sadistic Jungian psychotherapist that <laughs> kills you for a few minutes. So you've mentioned therapy, but that's quite a description. Uh, yeah. Like um, there's, there's sometimes that first 40 minutes of a trip. I, I do often give the advice of like, Hey, go easy on yourself for the first 40 minutes. Cause there's a body load to mushrooms you know, and there's a bitch mm -hmm. slap that happens that I think is a lot about just simply processing the mushroom body itself. And so there's like, I used to have this thing of just kind of hating myself for the first 40 minutes or thinking I was mm. just like a mediocre, trashy person. And, and, you know, it was just, you know, not doing much with my life. And, and, and that, yeah. And then mushrooms would, would make me look at that. They would always make me look at my shit and then move past it. And I always yeah. would move past it. Yeah, they sure to make you look. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that you started, you know, you had your first psychedelic journey at a, at a pretty young age. Yes. And I was then 15. Yeah. you were 15? Mm hmm. And, and was it. Uh, if I, you know, it wasn't one of these um, Jungian. It wasn't a God trip. It was just so beautiful. It was like, oh my God, we get to do this on planet Earth. Holy <laughs> moly. Like I was with, I 
met a girl in high school, this goth chick who I never saw before or after the mushroom trip. It's like she just showed up and was yeah. like, I want to do mushrooms. And I had a boyfriend at the time and he was like, you've got to go do that with that girl. And so we walked around in these ruins that seemed I never been there before again either <laughs> like, and I went to bed at night and I felt all these insects and dirt and and I it's like I fell in love with the planet it was as if I didn't even realize like I was on a planet until that moment it's like like you woke up to it like wow look at yeah. all this <laughs> like, like and, and it sounds like that 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 has stuck with you yeah 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 I think um, um, that's the thing about mushrooms is that like you were, I remember almost everything and it, and it's as if um, the experiences don't leave me, like they're still with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we hear a lot about um, integration these days and so make sure, you know, you write everything down in a journal and you work on it, remember it. But yeah. It almost seems like subconsciously it's just, it is there afterwards. Yeah. I have a little chapter on integration because I think integration is kind of funny. I think it's like an excuse to like just get together with friends and talk about tripping, but there's all this like, <laughs> it's so serious, you know? Um, yeah. And, and then like, sometimes you can crystallize your experience because cause in a sober state, you can lay a trip on your trip. <laughs> so what do you mean by that? Um, like if you, in a sober state, you can kind of go like, oh, well, what was meaningful about this trip? And we have a way of, um, using very traditional narrative structures, right? We, we yeah. go to like, oh, what was like emotionally painful or what was the big release? And, and sometimes it like what was important may or may not be what your ego brain realizes was important. Yeah. Is you think it's possible to maybe overwrite what your ego brain was actually trying to teach you? Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons people maybe don't trip again. Cause they go like, Oh, well that LSD trip or that mushroom trip was so deep and they create a big story about it. And then they carry that story for like their whole life. And memory is a funny thing. You know, you memory is like a photograph of the memory and then a photograph of the memory and you know on and on to where yeah. the experience is, is really nothing but a facsimile in your brain and so i have a big um lecture that people who did um psychedelics when they were young kind of owe it to themselves to return to that space because what they've told themselves their whole life is is kind of a flimsy facsimile by the mm -hmm. time decades pass yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I never thought about that. That's a good. That's a good notion to to ponder on. Um, in all on all these journeys that you've gone through, did maybe as a cumulative effort or one or two that that stand out? Did you have any experiences of transformation where you know the mushrooms really helped you in your life? Yeah, more than I can even count. Like. They call it the God trip, right? And like, mm -hmm. it's it, like I um, it, the first time I really had that happen, I might have been like the eleventh mushroom trip I did, and and I literally 
it was like a Tuesday and there was maybe two grams in the bottom of the bag from the night before. Yeah. And I, and I ate them and whoa, I have no idea why this thing hit that day in the particular way, but I was just, um, I could see how everything worked in an interdependent way to the point where I could feel what my neighbors were wearing in their kitchens and their living rooms and how they were holding their emotional lives and how it related to the weeds in the yard and the dogs and the cats. And, and it was like, wait, we have like, everything sort of runs smoothly, not because we make it run smoothly because the nature of hmm. it all ensures it or something. Um, this is why I write because it's really hard to say these things without my my hand typing it into the computer. But yeah, oh, yeah. so so I had the God trip and and I was crying and just and that was when I was like, everyone deserves this. Everyone deserves to feel this good because it also was a physical well being, a sense of of like um, finely tuned emotional joy that I felt like an athlete on all levels like intellectually and physically and and i was crying just going everyone deserves this everyone yeah. wants this should get to feel this like this is crazy that we don't um that we don't um, allow this to happen more yeah that's beautiful so that was at the alan gisberg like god trip yeah holy 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 the- holy yeah totally and then i had another god trip uh with um about four grams of mushrooms and two grams of syrian rue um do some reading on syrian rue before you do it it's not for everyone um but that was one in which um like a love transmission came through that i've never it was i said it was about as subtle as a car wreck like like Mm. it came out of a image of Virgin of Guadalupe that these um, Mazatec women, I went to Wild Lady Jimenez and did ceremony with this elder Mazatec woman. And she says, Hey, do you know the Virgin of Guadalupe? And I'm like, I live in New Mexico. Of course I know her. And she says, (laughs) keep her on your altar when you journey so you can talk to us that way. And so this light was coming out of Guadalupe and it was so much love that I, the whole trip was about just being able to let it enter me, you know, into my mm-hmm. body, this, this incredible love. And I just felt like a little child. Wow. And, yeah. and the, one other time you also said you learned that you're not sick. Did I get that right? Oh yeah. Oh, this is another trope of how the mushrooms work with me. I, I, you know, there's that 40 minutes, right. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so sick. And my character's bad. I'm, I'm just like, mm. I need to be fixed. Like, you know, I think I'm dying actually. And the mushrooms are just like, they're just <laughs> like, you're not, you're not sick. You're fine. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just a little sick. Maybe just a little They're Like you're not sick. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And then I realized that that's it. part of the healing, right? It's just like, oh yeah, it starts in the mind. It starts with me stopping pretending to be sick. Yeah, that's what you said in the beginning. The mushrooms will just slap you in the face and tell you what's real. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned that this, this first godlike trip was just two grams at the, at the bottom of a bag. And mm-hmm. I feel like I saw 
you know, you've done up to seven grams, although I, I feel like I may have seen 30 grams in there. I did 30 grams. Yeah. And it's wild because I, I wanted to do nine to honor Kai Wingo, who's part of mm -hmm. this very high dose mushroom community and she passed away. And so I wanted to, to honor her and I put the nine grams on the scale and I was like, Nope. <laughs> and um, so that was three years ago. And then just recently, Kalindi Iyi, her teacher, passed away, and and I just I ate thirty grams. It's just a different experience. I mean, I it's, I don't think um, it's better or it's just different. I bet Williams was gone. I just laughed a lot, going like, <laughs> you know, like anybody who thinks that I'm me, <laughs> that's funny. You you were gone, and so that's the experience. Uh, you just you weren't even you were not Bet Williams anymore. Well, it's, it was strange. Like, it was like, I guess it was the ego death, but without the experience of the loss of the ego, like, it's sort of like I skipped that whole process of going like, I am not me anymore. I'm dying. And I just went straight to like, being God, you know, wow. in, this, in this state of co-creation, like I could feel, you know, that I was co-creating the beautiful world with everyone. Wow. It was beautiful. Well, that's, I mean, is it, is it, uh, is it scary? Is it rattling? Is it something you, you're thinking to yourself, you might try that again sometime? Um, mushrooms are, are expensive now that I don't grow them anymore. <laughs> um, the so, 30 grand is a fee. Yeah. But you know, so I, I don't know. I think I would only do it maybe if, if somebody else was wanting to do that much again, because they just don't feel like it's necessary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get yeah. that. I get that. So what, what is your, do you have like a, a favorite dose? I know like your walk with clam was also a low dose, you know, experience. Yeah. Do you, have, do you have kind of a sweet spot. Do you have two or three different sweet spots where that are your favorite dosage levels? Yeah, I think I, I like to be between, uh, I think around five. Because I mm. did seven in Mexico and that was, it just ran me over. Like it was like, yeah. I was so, I was so employed. And I like, um, I like to do stuff on mushrooms, like offer tobacco and, um, and burn juniper and do prayers and things. And mm -hmm. one, one time I'm, I was frustrated on, I, I think it was because I was on a, didn't know it was psilocybe azarescence, the blue Ooh. mushroom, which mm -hmm. is, I had wow. no idea that those are intensely stronger. So I spent, I was very frustrated just sitting on the couch going, I can't move, <laughs> which is weird because on 30, I was like dancing around and walking around, but that particular seven grams, uh, uh, or no, it was it was only like three grams of that as the rest was having flattened. So, so I would say like five grams of the regular cubensis is probably my sweet spot. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people call that the quote heroic dose. You know, so that's kind of a a big dose for most people. Yeah. Oh, can I read um, you just a paragraph from that yeah. God trip with the Guadalupe? Please. I allowed it. I allowed it to happen. I received the gigantic love. The river of it drank through me, dissolving every defense I'd ever had against this love that had always been there waiting. It said I was clean, even though I wasn't and didn't need to be in the face of this love. 
human as low-hanging fruit on the vine in a garden universe. This bleeding heart show was over now. It never was. Humility and gratitude served as my king and queen, and even that she took from me, saying, only love, girl. Try it. Be that child, Peach. Mm. That, is, that is nice. That is sweet. What, what is it about that? Why did you pick that paragraph out to read? Because um, it's so hard to explain yeah. the experience of, of that, you know, and, it, and I feel pretty proud of that paragraph. Because that's, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I love that. I can see what you mean when you want to try to ex- describe this stuff, that you want to be sitting down on a keyboard so it can flow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, do you ever go on um, Arrowhead Vault to read trip reports? It's such an interesting literary uh, format, you know, because <laughs> it's so hard to explain ecstatic states. And it is hard, it isn't it? Creative ways, yeah. And I think I, I don't, I, you know, when I was first exploring the, the concept of psychedelics, I did. But then, honestly, trip reports got to be like listening to somebody's dream for me. Yep. You know, as I finally got to a point, I was like, oh, I don't want to hear another one of these. And then sometimes even when we, when we talk on this podcast, I tell people, like, you don't have to go into all the details about the trip. Yeah. You know, full fractals, but just, you know, kind of tell me what, how you felt and, and what you were like afterwards. I think that's why art forms are so important in mirroring back um, the ecstatic experience. I mean, it isn't in a way music and books they're really just there to show us different ways to talk about love. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All the art and the books, you know, you got your book, you got Michelle's and you have all these other, you know, like the, the founding mothers and fathers of psychedelics that have all their, their literature out there. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you make of the psychedelic movement today? I mean, when you, so you had a long break between this book and your previous books and, and obviously this, you know, psychedelics still carry a bit of a stigma with them. So, well, like, um, you know, I never, in some ways, it's unnecessary for me to be even part of the movement. But, you know, I, I was invited to speak at various psychedelic events by Bia Labate, who I met mm-hmm. um, through a friend. And, and so, so that was interesting and also challenging because our culture is so structured right now on like this is how you do it and this is the way not to do it and and so to enter into that situation i I joke with beth my partner i'm like yeah i had to pick you know who i didn't like or what i thought who i thought was doing it the wrong way and like positioned myself as like the alternative or something because that's how we have discourse in america which is very like being on twitter right (laughs) right and very, you know, social media is really, you know, it's all based on like argument, basically. <laughs> so, so you've got, you've got like maps and you have the psychedelic movement that wants to legalize things for use in therapy and Michael Pollan's book, you know, really saying like, that's the way to do it. Um, I think he, he overstepped his bounds a little and, and just, being such a novice and flat out saying that stuff was kind of dangerous, which I think is um, unnecessary considering that mushrooms in terms of hospital visits are like the number one safest substance of all psychoactive from alcohol, you know? Um, But that's not to say that I, I say that mushrooms are dangerous in the way 
poetry is dangerous. And if you don't think poetry can be dangerous, then you don't really understand poetry. <laughs> like, like, because it, it's, it makes you do a philosophical inquiry. Yeah. And philosophical inquiry is, um, you know, I, I imagine that you, that you've had to, um, to face that as well. And you're out, the stories that you've told me how dangerous mm -hmm. the mind can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think Michael Pollan, one of his things is he, he went for the, the blue azures also the cyan's maybe, and, and had a kind of a deep, almost paralyzing experience. And maybe if you're a novice doing this stuff and that's one of your first experiences. Oh, you did he get paralyzed? Cause I, I read most yeah. of the books, but, but that stuff apparently can, I think there's a mold in the azurescence that can totally paralyze you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's temporary. Terrifying. It would, you know, it happened to me the other day. I was doing my Wim Hof breathing and I couldn't move. Yeah. And my, my hand was locked on my phone and I was like, uh Oh, and so it is scary when something like that happens. So maybe, maybe that's what happened with him. I love how he, he did LSD therapy and with breath work and he found out like he has a heart condition and he found out that the breath work was actually more dangerous. Right. Than LSD. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're right. Okay. You're right on those counts. Um, all right. What else? Okay. Something else I read, read in the book. You don't recommend going into a journey with a quote singular expectation, which I think a lot of people who've been through the mushroom journeys understand that what you what your intentions are really don't matter to the mushrooms. But yeah, yeah, I mean you're gonna do yeah. that anyway, right? You're gonna go. In yeah. So that was that. You I mean you're kind of like yeah, just go in and let them let them share their their lessons with you. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost impossible not to kind of bring an intention it's just really amusing watching the mushrooms go nope we're going to work on this instead and that's yeah. when i know the mushrooms are working <laughs> and that i love that feeling where you're just like oh everything i thought that was wrong with me the mushrooms are like oh no we're going over here and and it's fascinating how that happens i think that happens more with mushrooms than with lsd actually because the mushrooms you. are so physical you know they really know where to go yeah, and you're right. It's like the best intentions. They're like, yeah, but I know better. Here's what we're going to learn today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, um, they'll, they'll just be like, no, it's in your neck. Or like the, it's, it's surprising how, how smart yeah. they are and how I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's like when something hurts on your body and a, a massage therapist will press on something in around your neck. And you're yeah, like, well, it's not there. And then something's like, oh, that does feel better. So smart yeah exactly um so i guess a couple things i saw in the book i don't know if you want to comment on them i just wanted to let you know i loved your conversation with rosie <laughs> in the book um rosie um i had to write about all this crazy stuff that happened over a period of time that was traumatic and difficult so i decided that i would use a device which was I mean, not to say that Rosie, it's not plausible that Rosie was a CIA agent with a microchip um, trying to turn me into a cult leader for some sort of <laughs> MK Ultra style, what do I call Project Lamb Chop? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have many conversations where I'm like, I don't, I don't I'm not cut out to be a cult leader. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I just loved, I just loved the sincerity of... <laughs> 
Rosie's. Rosie was like, think of what you could do for feminism. And I'm like, yes. I'm not going to be a sociopath for feminism. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And then I love your public service announcements. Um, I don't know if you want to comment or not, but I just want everybody to know, you know, great, great set of great advice in this book. Don't when keep it, your when drug dealer's number and your phone. Oh, yes. here's one more. Come up with a code word for your substance, mulch, cookies, t-shirts. When buying cannabis in, in New Mexico, do not use green chili. Likewise, never shrooming, <laughs> clever shrooming nicknames and Amanita emojis will not do. There you go. And there's so much more. So yes. definitely get, get the book and go, go read that, you know, bookmark it. I don't know if you're a dog ear person, but mark, mark that so you guys can can, uh, the wild kindness of psilocybin odyssey yeah, yeah. Oh, and the cover's amazing the, the cover's done by mike perry who did the illustrations for broad city oh wow yeah i love the cover i didn't i didn't realize yeah. that's who did the art yeah he um does a lot of the illustrations for the uh dodo presses a lot of children's books and he does um a lot of those books oh awesome well he did a fantastic job on yeah I yeah, think fan, so. I mean, I yeah, it jumps right out. I mean, it's, there's no mistaking what this book's about. Yeah. One time I did mushrooms and I sat outside and I wasn't finished with the book and the mushrooms were like, finish the book. We want our signpost. <laughs> They're like, most people won't even necessarily read it. We want our signpost. Just <laughs> get it so out they, there. They have the, their signpost now. It really is a beautiful object. It is. It is. And, and, it's a, and it's a great book. Lots of people are going to read this. I, I know they are. They already are. It's, it's really getting out there. Good. I got a review um, by this wonderful person, Molly Young, for New York Magazine. And she wow. was great. She was like... Nice. If you like pluck and lesbian drama and um, embarking on projects, <laughs> this is a book for you. Yeah. Good for her. Muffins, she really of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, I have a question. I don't know if it's fair. It sounds like you know your book pretty well. Um, I wrote I wrote a science fiction book, and I forget names of characters. So I, sometimes I wonder if it's fair to ask an author about a specific thing that I came across. But something that interested me is you said a mushroom trip can accelerate the karma that exists between people. Yeah. What does that mean? That feels really true. Like I've had stories. I mean, for me personally, um, where I mentioned that in the book was I trip with these two friends. And by the time the trip was done, I knew I wasn't going to be friends with them anymore. <laughs> and oh, I, wow. I, know that, I know that people um, sometimes break up, like they'll do mushrooms mm -hmm. together, hoping that it will bond them. And, and sometimes it really unravels things. Mm -hmm. And, I've had that happen, not in romantic relationships, but definitely with friends. Yeah, a kind yeah. of acceleration. I see what you mean there. Yeah. Moves it right along like it does with everything else. Yeah. And like um, the trip that I did when I was 15 um, triggered like this huge heartbreak because I was having this weird romantic dalliance with the this person who was a therapist and was like 27 years old and I was 15. It was, and, and the mushrooms made that whole thing fall apart in a really dramatic way. Mm. She was like, you can't be in this program anymore because you did drugs. And I'm like, 
I thought my world had ended because I was so in love with her and everything. And, and I really um, blamed the mushrooms. I was like, oh, these are two, there must be bad witchery or something. And, and I think that was why I didn't, I didn't have an open mind about psychedelics until much later. So that actually helped because you've, you've been through a lot in life, not just with the mushrooms. But, you know, I read about that. And I was going to ask you about that with stigma, you know, where you came out about yeah. this and ended up losing this job. Yeah. You know, and, and you've had to come out before, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you've had to go through things. But that seemed like it was pretty, like, like it was a pretty big deal. And, and like you just said, I guess it made you put mushrooms down for a little bit. Yeah, well, what's crazy is the land where I live in New Mexico, um, the person who brought me to the land and showed it to me was an apprentice to Maria Sabina in Mexico because he mm-hmm. um, lived there with his family as an expatriate Scottish guy. And um, so I remember he passed away and I remember him talking about this elderly Mexican cuandera and it went in one year and out the other. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I blocked that out until like, you know, starting yeah. to was a trip. Wow. That is, that is amazing. You came that close to that and it took all that time mm-hmm. later before you kind of had to dig it back out again. Now I, now I meet people who were like me, who just, they have that weird disinterest you know, and I, and I go, oh, I, I, they have a little bit of a block. And yeah. it's interesting because, you know, I get some people that are just completely not interested, but that's different. Yeah, different than somebody that you can see has a little spark of interest, but they've got themselves. Totally. Yep. Interesting. So what, what other stigma around this have you had oh, to deal with? Well, um, I like to talk about how when I was growing them, um, I, it was a, the, my first grow, I re- realized that I didn't like, that it had changed me. I was doing this illegal thing and I was now, you know, I wasn't uh, like selling them or anything. I just grew them and used them for personal use, but, but it really um, changed how I felt about myself as a citizen. Like I realized, man, I'm really, I'm no longer a person who doesn't break the law in a certain kind mm. of way. And I didn't really, um, didn't really like it. And then I had a strange thing happen where I had a scare with the, what I thought was the DEA. It was a, like a weird um, scam phone call saying like, we're half an hour from your house. This is the DEA. And this was my first big mushroom grow. And I had just written about it in a local weekly. And it scared me half to death. It was the worst panic attack of my life. And my oh friends my like, girl, you are really freaking out. Like, do you think the Shipibo shamans traveling through the airport with their ayahuasca would freak out like you're freaking out? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> I'm not built for this. Like I am not, you know. No, that would be scary. Was it like a prank call from somebody local just trying to out more? No, it's it was like an old lady shot herself because of this. It's people who've bought um, it's people who've bought drugs online from those Mexican pharmacies. Like they somehow mm-hmm. got a hold of of people's numbers and and they call you and try to extort money. <laughs> oh, good grief! That is yeah. so. Awful. So I hung up on them before 
they could do that, but it's still, I, I was carrying my terrariums and hiding them under juniper trees. And my girlfriend comes over, she's like, where'd you hide the, the terrariums? And I'm like, down there. And she's like, you could totally see it. And I was <laughs> like, I was, I, I had a freak out too, because they put the mushroom cakes like on the ground and like, oh no, the coyotes are gonna eat them and get sick. And my friend's like, don't you think coyotes know what drugs to take and what drugs not to take? <laughs> yeah, wait, what a freak out moment, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. I was, I was a wreck. <laughs> man, oh man, well, I'm glad you survived that. Yeah, I mean, I have all, it's so many of these experiences just make me think about the drug laws and how, you know, I'm a white person and mm-hmm. like people of color are just, you know, it's always leaning against their situation. And it, it's just, it makes me think about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, it's such a white privilege to be able to just even talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day who was like, Oh yeah, because I'm like a white man i can maybe have an obligation you know to talk yeah. about that. it's like you're just i don't know yeah yeah i gotta be careful with it gotta be careful either way but yeah it's it's a privilege to even take the chance yeah now that i'm really public i can't i don't keep anything around i mean i, I see the um I see people dealing drugs on on instagram and i get like i don't know maybe so many. I mean, I, I don't even like talking about that because I don't want to get them in trouble. But like, yeah, um, it's people seem to be really open. Um, and I've been in communities where people are just they practically put a poster up at their local health food store. Um, and but like in the book, I talk about Monica Crum, how in South Africa, mushrooms told her to have ceremonies every Saturday, as many people as she can fit. And man, the South African SWAT team like crashed the party and, and I think she's still she's out on bail now but I think her trial is still continuing. Wow. Yeah, that's that's raining some fire down on yourself. Yeah, and I you know, some you can see it from one angle that it's it's it helps the destigmatization for that kind of thing to that kind of catastrophe to be visible but then you have in oakland that church and there was like a mushroom church like it's they decriminalized it in oakland and this group of people just really took it too far they were like selling it and mm. and that's like yeah, yeah. i like the yeah. idea of decriminalizing rather than legalization because because um back in the old hippie days with orange sunshine it was considered that, you know, you you get like a rich person, right? And then you just give it away <laughs> and you give right. it to people to give it away. It's, it's really in keeping with the spirit of the medicine, I think, to not have commerce be part of it. But I also yeah. have a lot of gratitude to, to the people who do make a living because it's most, it's mostly how people get it, you know? Right. Yeah. But growing it is pretty easy, you know, growing it. But I think in California, you can't get spores and, yeah. Oh yeah, there's some states where you, you can't do that. Yeah, I wonder if you can get it in Oakland now. It's decriminalized. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all these journeys. I guess a couple, a couple last questions about the the mushrooms, and and then I want you to tell me anything you want to about mushrooms. But um, 
you did it with friends and you had people come visit in New Mexico and, and all these amazing things. Did you see friends who also had transformational experiences as you kind of looked on them um, during the journey, after the journey, long after the journey, where you recognized that they had some pretty amazing transformations themselves? Yeah, that trip um, where I ended that paragraph, Be That Child Peach, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did with a friend of mine and we both were equally blown away. We actually did two trips like this is how creative nonfiction works like i can you imagine two god trips and trying to no. honestly make it all in one um so yeah like she she was just run over in the best of ways <laughs> yeah, yeah. And had, a, had a big like mary magdalene jesus thing going on and just really? kind of thing where the next day you're just like oh my god what just happened <laughs> Nice. So what about set and setting? That's a big thing that everybody talks about, right? Is to have the right experience, you want to be in the right mindset, have the right setting. And you've talked about um, almost ritualistic things you do for these, but what, so what is your, what is your perfect set and setting? And, and along with that, do you have any recommendations to other people in terms of uh, managing and setting their set and setting? Um, I think um, having access to some kind of ground <laughs> is good, but I don't think you have to be in quote unquote, like the wilderness. <laughs> I actually like to just be at home because I mm. like to um, be as um, comfortable as possible. And, and I think there's a, a sense that Maria Sabina always said, do them at night because doing the daytime will make you crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't agree with that at all, actually, but I see her point in that there is a lot of inner work that goes on and, and it can be another job to have to just be, let's say at a campsite <laughs> that you're not familiar with or something. So that, that can be a lot of work to process yes. um, your little spot in nature. So I highly recommend your own couch, and <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. What about mindset? Um, mindset, um, I don't think it matters because if you're in a crappy, <laughs> the only thing I really do not recommend is doing mushrooms if you've been on the internet too much. Like, and I, the only quote unquote bad trips that I've had are when I've been like really deep in social media and I just pace up and down the hall writing tweets in my head. And mm. I said, man. So, so I, that's the only deep intention is like, keep, I, I will often unplug the Wi-Fi. So even that slight vibration is not in the air. I try to yeah. do that. Um, unfortunately, I play my music from my computer, so that <laughs> doesn't help. Um, so yeah, I think there, there have been times where, like I set a date to do mushrooms and I'm not in a good mindset and I try to do it anyway um, because maybe the mushrooms need to meet that difficult place. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And do, do you remember any experiences like that where you're like, okay, I'm yeah. going to do it on, on this day. And you're just like, I'm not feeling it. I'm too busy or whatever, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then what happened? Well, I was embroiled in like a court case where I was accused of something and I'm, and I was so mm. angry. I was, I was angry for months of just being like, why is this happening to me? And so, of course, I didn't do mushrooms for ages because I was like, I'm so upset. And, and so I took them and um, 
and just went into that. It was um, like, I, the, the trip was about um, I, like all these, this masculine energy of, of like um, war and, and I just explored my <laughs> own rage. And, and I think it helped um, like move some stuff that I've been holding in my body for sure. And it also brought up compassion for, for people who, who are um, in, ex, in an extreme states like that. And, and I explored, I explored all kinds of like in, in, in my interiority, I'm not a violent person. Um, and in the trip, I explored like, what would make somebody be violent? You know, what does it feel like? And it was like, oh, wow, yeah, we don't, we don't let ourselves explore the fact that as human animals, we have this huge range of, of emotions and behaviors that arise from these emotions. And it was just mm -hmm. really interesting to, to like explore what drives people to, to be violent. Wow, that's a big, powerful one. Yeah. I see what you mean then. Because yeah. at first when you said, I don't know if setting matters, I was like, what? <laughs> that, that's the matter yeah and it, so that's, that's another, another one of those like, things you're breaking i want to go to costco or something on mushrooms and i'm like that that does not interest <laughs> me i went to gay pride on mushrooms and it was horrible it was <laughs> oh my gosh yeah everyone looks sick <laughs> oh my gosh except for like two people and then beth and i kind of followed them around because they were the only people and hundreds of people that that in my opinion didn't look sick and, and I went up to this person one time because they were like a docent at our local gallery or whatever and I was like if you saw two old lesbians following you around at the last gay bride <laughs> it was us <laughs> and they laughed really hard that's like, awesome you, you were like one of two people who didn't look sick <laughs> wow that's interesting I could like to know more about that because it's like when, when you're on a mushroom trip and you look at nature, you're like, oh, that tree is not doing as well as I thought it was doing. Yeah. You no, know, you all can, these people, you know, yeah. in Santa Fe, everybody's, you know, lives on like juice and doing all their new age things. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah, you're going to die tomorrow. Like, I don't know. I'll go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like walking on the living dead or something. Totally. And you that find is, these two angels like, like they're okay. We'll follow them around. Yeah, I, I do have a, a certain, that happens on mushrooms a lot, is a kind of medical site. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that I was accurate. I, I mean, clearly it is not, you know, physically possible that everyone at Gate Pride had a, some right. sort of health problem. <laughs> wow, that, that's hilarious. I love that one. So anything else, Bet? I mean, that's all I've got. What, what do you want to tell us about the book? Any more stories? Any more anecdotes? Uh, do you want to read any more parts? Anything you want to share about the book, you know, before we wrap up? Well, one thing uh, occurred to me that I hadn't thought of about my book is that it's very much, I always think of it as coming out of like Tom Robbins and Ken Kesey tradition of, of that kind of mm -hmm. 60s psychedelia. But I realized that I'm a Gen Xer from the 90s and that I was raised on drug books. Like, like I didn't yeah. really start reading until in my 20s. And there's like Prozac Nation, Go Ask Gallus, and Brett Easton Ellis and Michelle T and Laurie Weeks. Like those were the books that I read. And, and they were all about, you know, people getting run over by drugs and like surviving enough to write a book. And, and I realized that that's in the same tradition and how wonderful 
with mushrooms, you don't have to to have your life at, in danger yeah. or addiction. You know, it actually helps mm-hmm. with addiction. I mean, it's really pretty amazing how um, how LSD and mushrooms um, can assist with with um, addictions of all kinds. Wish it would help me more with my internet addiction, however. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe I'll yeah. ask them. Maybe I need to do a journey and, and just directly ask for help. Yeah, say, help me with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when fantastic. I say, yeah, I will say, like, when I say I don't go in with intent, it's usually because I need to get about 40 minutes in, and then I sort of suss out the space, and I will say prayers. And I find that trips have certain phases. There's towards the end of a mushroom trip, like eight hours or seven hours in when it's starting to come down a little bit, um, that's when I find the ancestors come to give me teachings. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's sort of consistent. How did they come to you? Um, I feel a presence and sometimes I'll even have a kind of conversation with a presence that feels like an other Mm -hmm. and I'll have a little chat. Wow, and that comes that comes near the end. Yeah, and also um, I do self massage, and that tends to come at the end as well. And if you know, there's the if someone who's lucky enough to be with me, I, I give really good massage. Trips, oh. Beth, my girlfriend, will attest. Nice, that's awesome because you you feel that that need to to bond and and heal. Yeah, it's like the it's like the medicine works on me and then I become I guess I become the medicine. Like that's when yeah. I have that skill to heal myself and and start to divine wisdom from the ancestors that are present. It's it's like that's where um they're not working on me anymore and it's like yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, bet thank you so much for coming coming on here on the podcast that that was so much good information and you have like a really unique perspective on this and obviously not stuck in paradigms of what everybody mm. else is chiming around there. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for sharing all that and everybody please, you know, go out and get that book right now. It's awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. That concludes this edition of the stoned ape reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at stoned ape comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening, and catch you next time, Stone Apes.